Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and much has been uh, talked about today in the Straits Times. There's a story about a, a new poll that's been done on the mental health and resilience of young people in Singapore. We had it in our news roundup and will again at the top of the hour. Uh, and uh, the I, there are many different types of, of mental health challenges that people have. Bipolarism is one of them. I'd like to bring on now a a dear friend, Andrea McKenna-Brankin, who is a uh, a recovering uh, bipolar disorder uh, person, has written an amazing book about her struggle and her coming through the other side. Uh, Andrea, good morning and welcome to the show. I'm not sure that introduction actually does you justice because you are so accomplished in so many ways. And, and I hope we can talk about some of those other ways as well. Um, but but this your story and your ability and desire to be so open and honest about it uh, have, has really inspired so many people, including myself. So thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks. Good morning and happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Woo! (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, Your book is called Bipolar Phoenix, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It. Tell us about your journey up to writing the book. What was life like for you? You know, really hellish. Um, I was diagnosed in my late 20s, sort of early 30s. It's a bit fuzzy. Uh, that at the time in that generation, 99, 2000s, uh, that was when people were starting to be, be diagnosed at that age range. Why? Because things were falling apart at that age. Mm. That was pretty common. So that's what happened to me. My dad died. I went through a really bad divorce and I just lost it. And it took me years to recover. And all the things in the book, all 13 chapters of my book are steps that I took over eight to 10 years to recover and build back my life. And uh, I know, Glenn, you, you know me in Singapore and yep. very happy with my new life with my husband, Chris, my daughter, Gigi, who was born here. Yeah. And I mean, it worked. I worked really hard at it. So, Andrea, I always admire uh, someone who's publicly willing to talk about this. I've done it myself over the years, written many columns about it. Um, just for the benefit of our listeners, could you tell us some of the signs or some of the symptoms or signals to look for that you went through when you were eventually diagnosed? Yeah, bipolar has specific symptoms uh, like uh, high energy mania and low depressions and a mix of the two. However, let me just say that even for non-bipolar, even for anxiety, depression, stressful times, the number one thing to look at for anyone is function. Are you functioning daily? Are you getting to school? Can Hmm. you do your work? Can you make decisions? Are you showering? Are you eating too much? Not enough. Drinking, shopping, hmm. uh, anything that's interrupting your life. You're fighting a lot. I think arguing is a really big, a really big hmm. noticeable thing. When people start arguing on email or Facebook or, or in person or you know family problems, boyfriend problems, whatever. That that function is a really big, uh, you know, warning sign. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Andrea McKenna-Brankin, author of Bipolar Phoenix, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It. Uh, Andrea, in, in your particular case, if you don't mind sharing, um, was it a combination of, of, of medicine and uh, counseling? Or how, how does that work for people with bipolar disorder? Is it, it, is, is it always about me, you know, being, having medicine to take or uh, how does that work? 
Okay, so for me, uh, just to go back and to lay it all out there, that I had two back-to-back suicide attempts, and that was initially how I was, well, initially, officially how I was yeah. diagnosed. Mm. And that immediately put me in the hospital to save my life, essentially, and my friends helped and my family helped, and that's why I'm here. And um, medication was absolutely part of my journey and continues to be a huge foundation for my treatment. I also have a therapist here in Singapore, um, I have done things like like uh, therapeutic course therapy, as well as talking, mm. walk and talk in the botanic garden. Um, I use a combination, and I also teach yoga, practice yoga, meditation. I got all the tools. I'm, I'm hitting. <laughs> You're working it all, right? Every gun, <laughs> six gun shooter to to battle this. And actually, May is interesting because I've had a really bad episode recently, mm. and I've had to take out all these tools, the dog, everything. Uh, talk to your family, you know. Talk to professionals, reach out to your friends, and my friends have been wonderful. So um, I have used a combination. I'm in the camp of medication that not everyone is, hmm. but bipolar can be quite serious in terms of the very high number of people who attempt suicide hmm. with bipolar disorder is almost 50%, if not 50, 51, and about 19% succeed and wow. that's some stats from the last probably higher now I must say since COVID but yeah. our earlier stats that I've seen in the past few years is you know you need to treat that with by doctors you can't just go to Bali and you yeah know, and and it seems like sorry if I can just follow. Uh, just follow on to that you know by by going through these steps with medication with doctors they taught you sort of strategies or what to look for when you were about to have an episode and how, like you said, how to bring yourself back from it so it, it doesn't go too far. Is that, is that a fair way to kind of sum up the intervention of, of health professionals? Yes, 100%. And, and, and they, if you can't see it for yourself, they'll see it. Hmm. And maybe your partner will see it. My husband sees it. My daughter sees it. Yep. My dog and cat see it. <laughs> so we know that when mommy's blah, 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 talking too much or not getting out of bed, we know something's wrong. And the doctors, when you get to see them, they're like, like that. yeah, that's their job. And the therapists are very, you know, therapists are good for that as well. Yep. So even when we can't make the decision or, 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 you know, observation for ourselves, those loved ones around us and professionals especially, uh, we can lean on them to help us see these signs and teach us these signs and, and we practice them every day. And that's a key point, isn't it, Andrea, the, the importance of the support network around you because one of the things about bipolar is anything can be a trigger. It can come at any time, right? You can wake up with it. You can go to bed with it. It can be the most seemingly mundane things that can trigger an episode or it can seem almost nothing triggers an episode. I mean, for, for the benefit of those who, who don't have it or, or don't know anyone who does have it, how do those triggers work and, and, you know, what do they feel like? Well, so ultimately it's a chemical imbalance in the brain and we have the internal chemical reactions and we have the external influences that, that cause these triggers. To your point, the ones that don't make any sense to people that are coming from nowhere, I mean, it could be something like you didn't sleep enough or, mm. um, you know, maybe you had a couple glasses of wine that, you know, was you stayed up too late, uh, that combination. Uh, maybe it's stressful situations in your relationship. Family relationship can be really big triggers. Um, what does the trigger feel like? I mean, it just starts to hurt. I mean, I'm going to try not to cry because this has been happening to me lately. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard to watch the news. Um, mm. I have to stay away from people who upset me. Uh frenemies that kind of thing don't don't think yeah. don't don't go back and think about the past yeah and then um 
I had a trigger with, believe it or not, my beloved game rugby, and it sent me flying high. Mm. And we had to start treating that, you know. So, um, what does it feel like? It's it's kind of like pain. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. My wife says the same thing. That's enough news for you today, Neil. I think. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. You, you get down that slippery Reduce slope. It. You know, I mean, reduced exposure I, is in my book. It's one of my chapters. Exactly. So, so, so you've very eloquently and bravely pointed out some of the triggers there. Mm. So moving it forward, what are some of the tools, maybe some of the things in your book you want to point out? What would be some of the suggestions or recommendations your book would offer? I would say the very first thing that I would do, and people do come to me privately and ask for help for their family members or themselves, get to a doctor, get to a therapist, have someone else talk to you, take a look at you, help you, support you, and and maybe save you before mm. you fall apart. I fell apart. I was lucky I had friends and support people around me that literally drew, drove me to the hospital twice. And they're from North Shore Women's Rugby in Chicago, Alumni Weekend. I'm missing it. But um, they were a huge part of, of my initial um, help helpline, like to get me help. So I would say, ask your friends, ask your family, hey, where can I get help? Or Call your doctor if you don't want to deal with your family or worried about it. Call your GP, your general practitioner. A walk-in clinic can get you started or a psychiatrist or ask me. I'll, you can always reach out mm. to me on Facebook. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, my first thing is always go see a professional therapist mm. or I prefer a, a psychiatrist yeah. myself. The yeah. author is Andrea McKenna-Branken. Uh, Bipolar Phoenix, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It. Andrea, the... Um, the and any kind of mental health issue still has a lot of stigma yeah. around it, especially in Singapore. I think I think maybe in North America and, and and Europe, people are a little more accepting of people talking about their their mental health issues. Uh, but in you know, through, it's been my experience throughout Asia. It is just not something that people want to talk about. They want to hide any of those issues. How do you encourage people to to start talking about it, to make a look at themselves, you know, take a look at themselves or people that they care about um, in an Asian context where it's still quite hard for people to talk about. For me and the, and the fact that I, I do live here, it's doing this. It's getting the word out on media, on social media, meeting people, not being afraid to say, well, you know, I'm bipolar. And, you know, sometimes I get, and I'll maybe throw in a little, just meeting people. Oh, hey, I get a little upset. I don't watch the news. I'm bi- I have bipolar disorder. And they say, oh, you don't seem like it. And then it goes from there. And then these conversations Mm. get passed on. I do a lot of face-to-face sort of talking about it. Um, Within the community, I volunteer at a girl's home. And they're always quite surprised. They have a lot of trauma, day spring girls. But um, they are surprised that I also have a mental health problem. And I can talk to them about it. So I'm reaching out to our community in that way and trying to help these young ladies bounce back and understand that we can live with these things. Terrific. And and a great question from one of our viewers, uh, which looks at it from the other way around. A great question, I have to say, from Kelly Tio, who says, how do we, as a friend or someone with a loved one, convince the person we think has or seems to have symptoms of bipolar? How do we ask them or persuade them to seek consultation, especially when they seem so defensive against it, as you mentioned there, the Asian context? And that's a very interesting point, Andrew, isn't it? Because you don't want to be seen to be, you know, being capable and being a busybody. But at the same time, if it looks like a friend or family member is not doing so well, What's the way to go about it? So back in my day, 
uh, when I was having problems, people were much blunter. And of course, I was dealing with Americans, so it was more direct here in Asia and and worldwide. I think what we're trying to teach people is to approach with compassion and understanding and not judgment and not minimizing and saying, hey, you know, maybe you could use some help. And there's lots of ways and, and resources online. Singapore government has some programs to de- to to reduce stigma, to allow people to talk about mental health, to ask people how they're doing. Simple thing. How are you doing? And if they say, no, really, how are you doing? And you can kind of compassionately and open your heart and just listen. Mm. And and when you speak and move from your heart, you will find the path will open to you and how to say the right words to these people that you love. Mm. It will come. We all need practice at this. We all can do better. But I know that the world is doing better. And I'm really proud to live in Singapore where they're taking action with the young people. They're yeah. taking action in the schools with adults, with elderly folks. Um, compassion, open your heart and let, let your heart lead you. But um, don't, yeah. give, don't give in. Great yeah. insight. Rub yeah. sales. Don't judge. Don't judging. Yeah. yeah. Don't, say, don't say snap out of it. The mm-hmm. worst thing oh. you can say. Right. I always say it's like, it's like looking at a broken arm and saying to the broken arm, snap out Not of breaking. it. It doesn't work yeah, like that. That's very 90s yeah. <laughs> and yeah. 80s. Andrea, and Rob, Rob Salisbury. Sorry, I was just going to say Rob Salisbury is commenting uh, from Australia. Uh, congratulations, Andrea, for being a survivor and thriver and a bipolar advocate. Uh, he's had two family members and friends in the U.S. and Australia, and they caught the signs early. Uh, he says, your book sounds fabulous. Uh, t- the tools and insights, please provide the links and the website and all that. So uh, after we finish the interview, if you wouldn't mind putting that stuff on the Facebook Live page, that would be that 100%. would be awesome. Uh, as we go forward, you mentioned uh, just kind of a last quick, uh, quick comment. Um, What's the next step that someone should take if they suspect that either they have a mental health issue, not necessarily bipolarism, but anything, or someone they love does? Who do they who do they actually call first? Right. So I'm a big as again, I always say go to the doctor, go to your your trusted doctor. Maybe it's your 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 gyno. Maybe it's uh, any of the medical doctors will refer you. And I find here in Singapore that they're very good about that. And uh I get treated at, at, at Mount E personally, but I know the SGH, I know that the uh, Ten Tuck Singh, all the hospitals, this IMH, Institute of Mental Health, you can go to and they will help you. Um, there are websites and, and phone numbers. The Samaritans in Singapore are great listeners. Oh, Samaritans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a worldwide organization. My book has a list of lots, but um, befrienders.org is a worldwide, no matter where you are. Mm. So um, you can reach out to anonymous people who are trained to support you, to say the right things, ask the right questions. Maybe it's not your family, but you can look at these resources. Um, mm. Lots of lots of resources worldwide. Australia, a, a UK, mind.org. Australia has a Black Dog Society, a NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness in the United States. And uh, surely there's, there's definitely um, help in Singapore. I, know, I don't have the website, but there is one, mm. uh, I believe. And, uh, yeah, reach out to the resources that are now becoming really prevalent. And they're there. Take a look. Well, thank you. Thank you for talking about it so openly and bravely and encouraging others to do the same because it's a very, very important conversation. Yeah, the book is called Bi- uh, Bipolar Phoenix, My Effed Up Life and How I Fixed It, available on Amazon. Great title, by the way. Great title, by the way. Yeah. Andrew, thank you. apart from your brilliant insight, the final takeaway I've learned from you today is Chicago has rugby. <laughs> that, that is what yeah. I've learned. That is what oh, I've learned. Lots today. of places do, Neil. Lots of places do. Yeah. But 
Uh, Andrea, thank you for being with us. Andrea McKenna Branken, who the author, and uh, we appreciate your time and your and your openness with this most important topic during uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Thanks, Andrea. My pleasure. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.